Welcome back, baseball fans. Episode 47, rounding third, the baseball podcast. A lot of exciting stuff, Max. Great week of ball to unpack. It was a huge weekend, some incredible series. Great news to cover. We're going to review the epic Sunday night baseball game we got. Got the player watch. As always, we're going to hit the standings first. Great news lines. And officially, with the Stanley Cup being awarded to the Avalanche last night, the only major four league running for the next two months is Major League Baseball. If you're just getting into it for this two-month stretch, you're in the right place. If you like the show, you want more of it, we're always posting content on our Twitter, at RoundingThirdNow. That's RoundingThreeRDNow. And our Instagram, RoundingThirdPodcast. That is third spelled out. Follow us on that. Max, let's get into the show. Super excited. Roll that intro. Today, today. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I'm just going to jump right to you. One word to describe this weekend in baseball. Hmm. That's tough. I would say, I would say tumultuous because I think there was a lot of positives. You know, I, I think like the Yankees Astros series was the series of the year so far. Sunday night baseball was incredible, but I mean that the brawl we saw in Anaheim was pretty insane. Uh, Bryce breaking his hand was pretty brutal. Um, and, and also kind of the, the emotion, which I guess we'll break down how we feel about Freddie's emotion of returning to Atlanta, but you know, a lot of emotion regardless there. So it was kind of all over the place. It's a fun weekend though. I mean, tumultuous, great word, go into the bag, get that one out, but it really (laughs) is the right description. I mean, all over tons of news, tons of fun stuff. And, you know, we saw a little bit, uh, interesting moves in the standings which is where we're going to start with our Sunday standings as usual. Yeah, let me go AL West. Um, Again, I mean, Astros are just looking more dominant than ever. Um, They have such a good control on the AL West, which pretty much apart from Houston is struggling pretty bad. Um, And I think Houston just looks better than they have these past couple weeks. They just look better and better. I mean, you look at their past six games, they played two against the Mets, and four against the Yankees, and went four and two. They swept the Mets and split the four-gamer with the Yankees, which, honestly, they, they I won't say should have won more games, but the Astros looked like the more dominant team in that series. But the Yankees just were the Yankees and found ways to win games. Um, but going down, you know, ten and a half games behind the Astros, still in second place, the Texas Rangers, a game behind them, the Angels, and half a game behind the Mariners, or half a game behind the Angels are the Mariners, who, uh, before losing last night, had won six straight. So, you know, they maybe got a little bit of momentum, but, I mean, we'll talk about the fight later and how that kind of impacts these teams down the road because they're losing a lot of players. Um, But one thing to note about the Mariners, they did trade for Carlos Santana today from the Royals, for, for many reasons, injuries to Ty France, among other players, plus suspensions looming for a lot of players. And, you know, he's a veteran infielder that can fill some gaps. 
But the story of the AOS is the Astros, right, James? Yeah, I think there's no question here. And again, you talked about incredible series in New York. I mean, what a treat. You know, I don't like anything to do with the Astros, but I will thank them. Great baseball, magical series. I mean, definitely series of the weekend. But again, New York walked them off twice. Not even New York. Aaron Judge walked them off twice to get their two wins in the series. Houston had a stretch of 16.1 innings pitched without a hit. I mean, you're spot on. Houston did look like the better team in this series. And they're starting to run away with it. This is kind of what we expected from the prediction on. They're just lights out better than everyone else. It's Houston's division to lose. It is kind of interesting, though, Max, to to play this little charade at the bottom of what's going on here because you still are two games from the Mariners being in second to fourth, the Rangers are there, Angels, anything really can happen here. So it's interesting to see how that plays out. But, again, I I mean, we're nearly halfway through the season. And, I mean, not all the way there, but Texas is in second. Again, they could be fourth pretty easy, but I don't think anyone saw them here this deep into the season. And I mean, with the third wild card spot, they're only five and a half games out of that playoff spot. You know, I can bring this, I bring this up a lot, but Cardinals were 10 and a half games out of the wild card spot in September when they won the world series in 2011, five and a half games out, not even at the all-star break is a very surmountable deficit. But I mean, you know, the Rangers aren't some star studded team that we, we were expecting to be better. But, you know, there's still a chance. And we got to shout out that Astros no-hitter. I know you don't necessarily love combined no-hitters. But, I mean, Javier was a beast. Seven innings pitched 13 Ks. But his pitch count was way up there. Um, but that was cool to see. And that, the first game of the series, Judge's first walk-off, that was, that was the one where it felt like the Yankees robbed the Astros. Aaron Hicks hit like a three-run bomb in the bottom of the ninth of two outs or something, and then Judge won it. Pretty crazy. But, yeah, Astros own the AL West, as you Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I've been very outspoken. Me and uh, Thor from the Angels, Syndergaard, have the same view on complete no-hitters. I don't care. I mean, look, congratulations. It's cool. You didn't give up a hit. They took a picture of everyone involved in that no-hitter. It's like half the damn rotation. I mean, they're saying you got Maldonado, which, by the way, you talked last episode about Martin Maldonado and maybe replacing him. Not a chance. Can't do that. What an asset. I mean, he called two – over the weekend, he called two immaculate innings and a perfect – or in a no-hitter, having a day behind the dish. Great uh, pitcher's catcher. But, again, it just – it's cool, nice. They didn't get a hit, but, like – I mean, you take what's supposed to be a solo project and make it a three, four-person group project. Nah, it's not as exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's also, regardless of maybe the the celebrity of a no-hitter and how important it is, I mean, to just go in and not give up a hit is just a, is great for your team. I mean, you're going to win the game if you do that. So, I mean, props to them. And then they took the no-hitter into, like, the seventh uh, the next day until Stan hit a shot. Um and they ended up losing that game. And again, but, in that no-hitter, though, Christian Javier, incredible. Looked great. I mean, couldn't be touched. Just ran out of juice, threw too many pitches. I think he was up to, like, 120s or 130s, but 13 Ks, only one walk, total dominance. Send us to the East. Send us to I the I was going to say, the, the perfect segue, we're talking about the Astros, the series that just happened. Yankees got the two wins, split the series at home, 
still on top of the division, not even close. They are up 11 games on the Red Sox. That's kind of the interesting story here that I'll get into. Boston Red Sox comfortably, well, not comfortably, they have a game and a half on both Tampa Bay and Toronto who are tied. Moving to that second spot, though, this is a Boston team we bashed for a while uh, just for, for really underperforming. They seem to pick it up. Again, the Yankees, 53-20. and 20. It's a joke of a record, 53-20. and 20. It's so good. 31-9 and nine at home. I mean, pretty laughable. And their run differentials are plus 144. I mean, they're just playing incredible baseball. And we'll get to it later in the show. Aaron Judge, huge part of that. He's been out of his mind. As I mentioned, Red Sox 42 and 31, now at a 575, confidently over that 500 mark, which I didn't think we would get there with this team. Moves into second, uh, and again, that's going to put them in wild card position uh, with the first wild card spot in the American League. Uh, and then Tampa Bay, Toronto, both with 40 and 32 records, tied for third, or I guess just tied for third collectively. And Baltimore, sneaky. Fifth team in the division, thirty-four and forty, not bad for that. And and you know they're still they're still punching distance uh, from the wild. I mean they're they're significantly out. They've got the rest of those AL West teams we covered. But for being the last team in their division, you know they haven't been as bad as you would think. So not too much shakeup here, Max. But what do you think about this Boston Red Sox? This rise. I mean they were so underperforming, sixteen games back at one point, I think, and now still eleven games back, but there and two no i mean they're they're definitely playing really good baseball i mean they've won seven in a row um they they beat the cardinals in a game then they won three straight against the tigers and then they came to cleveland this past weekend and swept the guardians they're just playing good baseball i mean devers and bogarts are or bogarts is down now but devers and jd have like two of the top five batting averages in the american league um, and their pitching, too, has been really good despite not having Chris Sale, no Eovaldi, no Garrett Whitlock. A lot of their pitchers are down, and they're able to string together some wins. They're definitely the story this week, but it's so interesting. I mean, this, this, the, the American League East, they have four teams that have over 40 wins. No other division in the American League has more than one. Plus, the Orioles have 34 wins, which... I mean, puts them in maybe third place in all the other American leagues, which is pretty crazy. It'll be really interesting to see this week because a lot of big series, a lot of interleague or interdivision matchups, right? You have the Red Sox going to Toronto for three. Um, Tampa plays two against the Brewers before going to Toronto. So lots of competition among these three teams that are kind of mixed up at the center of the AL East. Yeah, you know, this is the AL, AL East that we wanted, we expected. And look, they're just really good teams. It's just at the same time, you have four really good teams, the same division, all in the American League. One of them gets left out. Inevitably, best case scenario, one gets left out, I think. I mean, I don't think they can clean sweep all the wild cards. I, I... Maybe. I don't know. The AL West, it's like, can we trust the Angels or Mariners or Rangers to make the run? And then in the AL Central, it's like the White Sox have been bad all year. The Guardians have been performing well, but can they keep it up and actually take one of those spots? Right? Like, I think the Red Sox, Rays, and Blue Jays might be the next three best American League teams other than the winners of the divisions. So, I mean, they might end up doing it. Um, And on the Yankees thing, like, 
they're st- I think they're on pace for 120 wins right now, which is what they were last week too. They've played 40 home games so far this year, and 10 of them have been walk-offs. 10, 25% of their home games have been walk-offs. And I think if you just were to write a formula for a team that needs to, or doesn't need to, but wants to set the record for most wins in a season, you're going to need a lot of luck. And this team just seems like a team that, whether they're down by three runs in the ninth inning or can't get a hit all game, they just find a way to win. And I think that's the formula for success, especially if you're going to try to set some all-time win record because it takes luck to do it. And But they're getting a lot of luck so far this season. Well, walking off in your home games is critical, critical in that mission. And just on the wild card note, I do want to say that Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto do hold all the wild card yeah. spots in the American League right now, respectively. So they are on pace to do it. Uh, but bringing that up, I think great time, Max, for you to take us through to the AL Central and talk about some of those teams that could maybe take one of those wild cards. Yeah, so the Guardians were in that wild card spot for a while. In fact, they even were tied for the they had the they owned the second wild card spot for a, a little bit. Um, but they've definitely run into some struggles. Twins still own this division, um, despite not you know not being incredible. They're forty one and thirty three. Um, they start a five gamer with the Guardians in Cleveland starting tonight, which will be huge for the series. Obviously, the Guardians went into Minneapolis and took two out of three uh, last week. But the Guardians are still there. They're, they're still there. They're, they're the youngest team in baseball. I know you were more low on them than I was. 36 and 32, two games back. They played a lot less games than the Twins because they've had so many rainouts, which is just ridiculous. Like, the Twins are 41 and 33, and the Guardians are 36 and 32. Um, but they're still there. White Sox, 34 and 37 behind them, three and a half games behind the Guardians. And Tigers and Royals are, are at the bottom of baseball. Guardians have a tough schedule coming up. Uh, they play um, the Twins for five games, and the Yankees are in town this weekend. So, you know, could be a tough stretch or could be, you know, a really good stretch. We'll see. But Twins still own this division. I just find this division really boring, to be honest. Tigers are terrible. Royals are terrible. White Sox are kind of hard to watch. And here's my question for you, Max. Is it time to write the Chicago White Sox off? Again, minus 220 to win their division. Best odds to win any division. This is better than the Yankees, better than the Dodgers, et cetera, et cetera. They are 34 and 37 right now, five and a half games back with a minus 51 run differential. Is it time to close the door on the White Sox playing in the postseason? This year, it's hard to really close the door on anybody just because of there's an extra wild card spot that can kind of, you know, some kind of straggler team that may not be a top of baseball could get in there. Um, and at the same time, this team has talent. They've been in the postseason the past several years. They have the 2020 AL MVP, um, and Tim Anderson's back. Yuan Moncada was back, back on the IL, but he'll be back. Um, so I, I can't count them out yet, but so far they've been extremely unimpressive, and something would really need to change, like I said before, probably their manager, if them to make a real-world series run in my mind. Now, what happens – 
in your Tony LaRusa battle for firing. If Mercedes, who just got activated to the Giants up from their AAA, if he just starts going off like he did last summer for the White Sox, what happens if it's like basically our manager so ancient and this guy's too fun that he wouldn't let him play, and now we just designated for assignment one of our better players? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a good look. It would definitely prove a point that maybe Tony LaRusse is not, um, you know, as he was when he was with the Cardinals in the, the late 2010s, or excuse me, late 2000s, early 2010s. I mean, look, the guy's almost 80 years old, right? Um, he's 77. I, I, I think it's fair to just say that his culture and his um, ideals don't necessarily mess, mesh with this team. And I might be wrong, but to me, that's what it looks like. Well, speaking of another place where his uh, culture would not mesh, I'm going to send us to the National League West, a division I find much, much more entertaining than the American League Central. No, no, and I will say real quick before I even make that move, the in my opinion, I mean, I'm a huge Byron Buxton guy, happy the Twins are having success. The Guardians are the only thing, given this division, even a semblance of a pulse. I mean, just them being in that fight, being pushing with that young team, fun team to watch, so fun, fun to watch. But with that said, I'll move on. You know, nothing new to report here. This division stacked out about the same. Uh, obviously, Dodgers are on top. They have a 45-26 and 26 record, plus 132 run differential. So they finally did pass the run differential torch, uh, which they held for a while. You know, two games back of this Dodgers team, who they just swept the Reds, but they uh, just had the – well, I guess they did win the series in Atlanta 2-1. to one. Uh, so that was good. Swept the Reds right behind them. Still, this team refusing to quit two games back. The San Diego Padres, a team you weren't necessarily hot on. And they continue. Machado's down. You know, obviously, Tatis is down. Done a little bit of a two game win streak, skidding a little bit, but picking up enough wins. And I think that's the name of the game here. Just pick up enough wins to stay relevant to get your players back out there. I mean, if they can do this and stay in the playoff conversation to get those guys back, MVP caliber players, they're right there. Their pitching's been pretty solid, much better than I think either of us expected. Mackenzie Gore, big piece of that. Um, and, and to just move down, you know, then you have the Giants six and a half games back in that third spot. You know, they're 39 and 33, so still well above 500. Uh, San Diego obviously has that number one national league wild card uh san francisco is just outside of the wild card picture looking in six and a half games i'm not even going to report arizona colorado they both stink they're both below 500 and colorado has la for three games starting tonight so good luck they're not switching that around yeah i mean i mean i think you summed it up well it's the dodgers padres giants those are the teams in the division and giants only a half game out of that wild card spot right behind the cardinals um, but this weekend, upcoming, um, after our next episode, Padres play the Dodgers in a series four-gamer, uh, which will be super exciting and super important to this division. But before that and after that, uh, the Dodgers hopefully are able to beat up on the, the Rockies a little bit. Um, but yeah, the Padres are scary. We're still kind of in those early stages where they just lost Machado and Tatis is, of course, still out. Who knows when he's coming back? I mean, there have been talks of setbacks and 
all this. So it's really interesting. I still expect the Dodgers to own this division, but it makes me a little bit worried as a Cardinal fan how the rest of those teams play out because they're good and they're going to be fighting for wildcard spots. Yeah, and this Giants team, they're just, they're kind of a pest. I don't think they're quite as good as last year's team in terms of just staying there. But they're, again, good enough to continue to win games, continue to push and shape that wild card conversation. I think as a Cardinals fan, the Giants have a much bigger bearing on where you end up than the Dodgers. I don't think the Giants sniff the Dodgers in the standings again. They're only six and a half games back. I know that's not a crazy lead, but... I don't think they close that. More worried about the Padres. But more respect to the Giants. I don't want any Padres fans getting thinking they're a rival. They're not. <laughs> Little boy syndrome. This is one I'm a bit depressed to talk about, the NL Central. Um, Cardinals have been shaky of late. Currently, the Brewers have a one-game lead at 42-33. and 33. Cardinals at 41-34. and 34. No other team in the division, Pirates, Cubs, and Reds. None of them have even hit 30 wins yet. But... Cardinals have been struggling. They lost the series to the Red Sox. They split a series with the Brewers in Milwaukee, which was good, right? Splitting a four-gamer in Milwaukee, we'll take that. Um, but then the Cardinals lost a brutal series at home to the Cubs. The final game yesterday, they had a five-run lead and lost 6-5 in extras. Really bad. Flaherty's back down on the 15-day IL. He's looked piss poor, absolutely piss poor. Um, and Bader's now on the IL, too. Brewers won a series against the Blue Jays in their, what I don't think are very good City Connect jerseys. How do you feel about those light blue Brew Crew jerseys? It's interesting. I know you're you're supposed to hate the Brewers, you know, or you do. You don't even suppose you do hate the Brewers. I, I'm impartial. Of all the City Connects, with maybe the exception of Washington, I love them. I think they're yeah. awesome. Uh you know, and then again, I'm a sucker for that blue jersey. I think the Cardinals light blue may be the best one. I love when the Rays do. I just love that that light blue on the baseball. I think it's done really nice. My personal opinion. I'm a fan. That's fair. That's fair. But we'll see. How, I mean, I don't even really need to talk about the other teams in this division, but it'll be interesting to see this week how the top of that central race goes. Brewers play two at Tampa Bay. And then four games at Pittsburgh, three games against the Cubs, three games against the Pirates. I mean, pretty easy schedule coming up where the Cardinals go on this NL East trip uh, where they play three against the Marlins, three against the Phillies, one of those being on Sunday Night Baseball next week, four against the Braves, three, four more against the Phillies, and then three at home against the Dodgers. So, I mean, <laughs> they've got quite a set of games coming up where the Brewers, you know, have an easier stretch. I'm just hoping we can stay close and, you know, keep this race tight as we head into July. I mean, honestly, I think if you get rid of, if you get through that blast of sections and the Cardinals are within five games, I think that's a success. Honestly, like that is just because, I mean, the Pirates are like, free, and unless you are the LA Dodgers, the Pirates are a free series win. Uh, I will say, Max, I had so much pain watching that Cardinals game for you. Like, just living through yesterday, I, I mean, I almost vomited. And I saw, you know, so many of the people we follow and follow us are Cardinals fan and just upset. I mean, just outside looking in, I can tell clearly the fans, they need some pitching. Get some pitching in there. I suggest looking at yeah. Luis Castillo. He's on the block. Dude, it's ridiculous. Like, we, this team that we have right now, 
will absolutely not win a World Series. Will not win a World Series. This rotation sucks. Wayno is old, and he's hit or miss. He has decent starts. Libertor has been okay, and he's like the future, but he's still young. Dakota Hudson and Michaelis have been solid pieces. I mean, Michaelis has been incredible. But other than that, we're like playing Andre Pallante and like doing these bullpen games and Zach Thompson. And the bullpen, we have three good guys to come out of the pen, Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, and Ryan Helsley, who have been really good. But other than that, like Drew Verhagen should be designated for assignment as soon as possible. Nick Whitgren is not very good. We need one of these Castillo, Frankie Montas, even Mad Bums, like somebody that can either get a lot of innings as a starter or come out of the pen, preferably a righty. Um, but, God, it's it really drives me crazy. And it's brutal, too, because even the starting pitching has not been great, but it's like that bullpen is just collapsed city. And, again, I mean, you know, and in the MLB playoffs, bullpens matter. I mean, you know, the games totally. change. Your seventh, eighth, ninth inning matter. Now, I will say the high leverage guy, they're lucky. Ryan Helsley, beast, you know, up there, maybe the best reliever in the National League. I know when we picked our all-star teams, I uh, picked Harrison. Or not Harrison, uh, Josh. Why am I blanking on this? Hater. Hater, thank you. <laughs> I, t- I take that back. I mean, he won brutal collapse. Um, of course, you know, relievers, CRAs, they, they move like that. But Helsley's been a beast. They just need a little bit more help. Um, yeah, you're 100% right. Send us to the East. Speaking of a team, needs a little pitching help. And it sounds like it's coming. The New York Mets on top of the NL East, nothing new there. Division's getting tight. They're at a 47-27 and 27 record. And we've seen some good news. We had Scherzer had a rehab start, was a little tight. He has another rehab start coming up. Uh, DeGrom just threw a simulated bullpen. He has another simulated bullpen before they'll clear him for rehab assignment. But the Mets may be looking at activating Scherzer and DeGrom in the next two weeks to a team that already is leading the division and has been great all year, you know. But I still think the story here, as great as the Mets have been, is the Atlanta Braves, who have been, you know, now that they got Acuna back, they're just climbing and climbing and pushing. You know, tough series loss at home against the Dodgers this weekend. Still have a 42-32 and record, just five games back of the Mets. I was on record last show of saying, and you said it, I think two shows ago, that we both believe the Braves will catch the Mets at some point. I think they win the division. You are only comfortable saying they catch them, but not not comfortable there. Still interesting, Max. Then you have Phillies, who we'll get to even later in the show. You talked to them a little bit. Bryce Harper may be done for the year. Broken thumb. Real nasty scene out of San Diego uh, this weekend. Still eight games back, 39-35, and 35, pushing for it. I just don't think this team can materialize. Again, no manager. You lost an MVP caliber player who's lights out. It's hard to think they can really make a push anymore. And the Miami experiment's done. I love Jazz Chisholm. I love Sandy Alcantara, my favorite non-Dodgers pitcher, Pablo Lopez. Somehow they can't put it together. Twelve and a half games back. And the Washington Nationals not even playing baseball. I'm not reading any of their stats. I don't care. They don't qualify as a team. Yeah, the Phillies thing is like, I think they're the biggest kind of question here is, are they good? I mean, they were went on a huge losing streak, fired Joe Girardi, and then like barely lost since. Um, 
I, I'm still I, I'm still kind of in the camp that they're not legit. I know they've got big names, and the Bryce thing is just really brutal. Um, he's kind of like one of the only players I like on that team, um, and so that really sucks. I think they'll they'll slip a little bit, and I, it's going to be Braves and Mets, and I think that's pretty much expected. Um, we expected that from the beginning. The Braves didn't have a great start, but they're that they're definitely there and rolling now. Um, but the Mets, lots of rumors that they're trying to make even more additions, like maybe competing for Luis Castillo, which would just be ridiculous if their rotation is like DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Castillo, and then fill in one of, with the other guys. Really, really interesting division. Yeah, and even that's an interesting play because, of course, like, yes, quality pitching is going to get you there. But there is a certain point where it's like some balance and like, yeah, they have some offensive pieces. But like you may, if you're going to make a splash at the deadline and on this team, assuming you get two of the top five best pitchers in baseball back, I want another big bat. I mean, you know, Lindor's out there. Pete Alonso having a hell of a season. Jeff McNeil, my guy, Jeff McNeil, who's been injured by the way, needs to come back. The Mets could use the bats, but I think they can use another big bat in that lineup. I'm not sure they need the arm there. And again, this Braves, they lost the series this weekend, Max, and we'll talk about it in the Sunday Night Baseball review. They were one strike away from winning the series. So it could have gone like that on a dime for Atlanta. Uh, they've been super hot. So going to be fun to watch how this unfolds. Unfortunately, the Phillies, I think, are out of the race without Bryce. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think I think that sums up the East. Well, talking about it, uh, we have now covered all the divisions, brought everyone up to speed on the state of baseball. As far as the teams are concerned, let's give a little update on the players. That being our annual, play, annual our weekly player watch uh, segment, rounding third player watch. Max, you'll give me a good player who's been hot this last week. I'll give you one. We'll do it with players that have been not so good. And call it a segment. What do you think? Why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I, this was tough for me to pick my good player because there were there were honestly a lot of guys that I wanted to pick. Um, I guess I could give some honorable mentions, but I, I ended up going with the guy who ultimately ended up winning um, – American League Player of the Week. That's Isaac Paredes. Um, he had that three homer game, but these numbers are ridiculous. Last seven days, he's eleven for nineteen, with five home runs, nine RBIs, batting five seventy nine with an OPS over two. Um, I mean, he, he deserved Player of the Month or Player of the Week. He's been playing great, and even if you go a little bit further than that, last two weeks, last fifteen days. His OPS is at 1.279, average is at 364. Um, but but these the last seven days, they've just been nutty. I mean, his on-base percentage is 619. Five of his 11 hits are home runs. He's just been on an absolute tear for that Rays team. Yeah, and just to add to that, because I had him on the list, over the last week, the slugging, just the slugging, 1.47. I mean, it... <laughs> His slugging is better than almost any other OPS over the last week. I think his slugging would have put him at, like, fourth in OPS over the last week in baseball. Love the pick there, Max. He has been on such a heater, uh, been a weapon. And somehow the Rays just always find these guys that you're not thinking about who crush the ball, and they can make any sub 
rate pitcher the next Sandy Koufax. It's incredible that organization. They really do impress me season after season. 11 hits, five home runs, and two doubles. So, I mean, seven of his 11 hits were either doubles or home runs. Pretty incredible. Yeah, j- just a mental stat there. Um, you know, that hits me in an interesting position because I think he was the clear-cut cut guy. I mean, he's been the guy in baseball. A couple different avenues I could go here. Um, you know, I think I'm going to do it. It's someone we're going to talk about, uh, later in the show. This weekend's kind of been about them a lot, a little bit of a Homer pick. I don't necessarily want to pick it, but it's hard for me to not go that. And that's Freddie Freeman. Again, we're going to get into the water work, some of the extra stuff on the field, uh, later, but it's hard to ignore these numbers. I mean, over the last week, he's batting four again, and he killed Cincinnati in that sweep. I mean, he single-handedly destroyed that team, batting 440 over the last week. Two home, this is crazy to me, Max. 11 RBIs on only two home runs. So he's he's hitting for power, not out of the park. He's scoring runs. 1.37 OPS. Again, it's nothing on the two OPS. Incredible stretch there. You know, he didn't play as well as I would have liked in the homecoming to Atlanta, hard to swing through the tiers, but had a great week. Have to acknowledge it. A little bit of a homer pick, but have to go that direction. He's there. My honorable mention, though, Julio Rodriguez. He's turned it around. He's making it a real fight for AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, excited for that. Julio Rodriguez, future baseball. What a stud. Batting 318 over the week. Yeah, Julio was a good pick. I also had another rookie on my list. Steven Kwan's been really good as of late. I think he's batting close to 500. And I almost said Emmanuel Classe as well, the Guardians' closer, because he's given up like four hits in his last 15 appearances or something. But but I'd be, but yeah, Freddie Freeman also won NL Player of the Week, so we got both Player of the Weeks covered. Um, let me give you my poor player. Um, I want a pitcher here. Somebody that... I would say he's usually one of the most consistent pitchers um, in baseball and specifically the past several years. But his last two starts, and I guess I'll say his name, Jose Barrios from the Toronto Blue Jays. His last two starts, specifically his last start, was, was really, really brutal. Uh, against the Brewers on Sunday, they lost the game 10-3 to in 2.2, two and two-thirds innings pitched. He gave up eight earned runs, um, only one strikeout, two walks, gave up two homers, and they pulled him after 66 pitches in two and two-thirds of an inning. Um, and before that, on Monday, the, the 20th of June, he went four innings pitched, gave up nine hits, six earned runs, three homers. Um, just, it, it was another bad start for him, and before then, I mean, he's been okay, right? He's gone seven innings, eight innings, seven innings. He had a blow-up game in in uh, Anaheim as well. His ERA is almost at six now, which he's consistently a pretty low three guy for a whole season. And I think he's somebody that the Blue Jays really need to perform well, especially as they progress in the season and are competing for a wild-card spot. So these last two starts have been looking really shaky. Yeah, I mean, I love the pick there. Again, it's sort of a household name that, that should be dominating. Toronto can use the pitching. Obviously, they have a huge series coming up here with Boston. Um, 
going to be interesting. They're going to need some of that pitching, you know, to, to round out that rotation and help carry them. They're pretty good staff, and he's part of that staff that that was notable for us uh, when we did our division previews. Um, Max, this is one where I, I really need your focus here. You know, I hate to do you in this way. A couple names I could go. I, I have to do it. It's a guy I like, kill I like, you know, but he's just not getting it done. One of your Cardinals, that's Tommy Edmond. Four for 30 on the week. He's got a 167 batting average, which isn't, it's not great. There are much worse to pick from, but he's just not hitting for powers. On base is pretty bad. He's got an OPS at 328, which over the last week pits him amongst the bottom of the league. And this is the kicker, a 161 on base percentage. I mean, that that's a pretty tough set. And, and it, again, it's a player I like, but I, I heard someone describe on Twitter the, uh, you know, um, Cardinals as the Memphis Redbirds plus Goldie and Arenado. But, like, because of that, I mean, you think about all those rookies. Tommy Edmond is one of the more experienced older guys that's in that lineup every day right now with the injuries and everything going on. Just got to have more production out of him. He's electric. He can bring a lot to the team. You know he's a much better player. That's why he's on this list because there is hope, and you know he's better than this. Yeah, I mean, I'll get, I, I'll, it, it's fair, right? He hasn't been great the past week, and that's kind of what this is about, players who have been trending down. Um, he still has the third highest baseball reference war, wins above replacement, only behind Sandy Alcantara and Mike Trout. He's still going to be an all-star, whether he starts or not. Is pro- he probably won't start based on some of these polls I've seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, four for 30 and the Reds, the Cardinals are struggling too. So it's, it's a fair pick. I think he deserves to be on the list. It's unfortunate because he is honestly might be my favorite player in baseball. Um, just, I mean, he does it all. It's unfortunate. His, his defense has still been there. He's been making some incredible plays, but yeah, he's been struggling from the plate. What can you do? Hopefully he picked it up. And, you know, that, that's why he landed there for me, the recent struggling with that. Uh, total faith he'll pick it up. I also add, I think, on these four hits and the couple walks he got, I think he still stole two bags in the week. So at least helping in that way. Uh, yeah, again, this is just over the week span. Tommy Edmond easily makes the All-Star game. I would be shocked if he's not invited to L.A. Uh, I do have one honorable mention. I just I, I had to give the shot at Tommy. I had to air it out. But Drake, Jake Cronenworth, who is one of the best players left, if not the best player left actively playing on that Padres team, just sucking it up, .048 batting average. He had one hit over the week. It was a home run, so it kind of juiced up his OPS a bit. But one for 21 with a home run. So at least the one hit was powerful. But, dude, you got to play better. Let's talk about this Sunday Night Baseball game before we get into some of the storylines. I mean, I guess this is a storyline just because of how great this game was. Um, really good. I mean, I'll, I'll hand it over to you mostly. This is your team. Uh, Sunday Night Baseball, Freddie's, you know, return to Atlanta this weekend. Slow game, 2-0 for most of the game until a crazy ninth inning into the extras. I mean, what do you, what do you think about it? I mean, to me, this is this is what Sunday Night Baseball is all about. Now, I am afraid that people turn the game off and actually miss the most exciting part at the end there. But again, the storyline was there. I mean, it doesn't really get juicier than one of the biggest names of baseball comes home. And even that's a separate storyline we'll get into because the tears were flying. I mean, whole situation, but Freddie's back. You know, and you have Kenley Jansen on that who got a save in Saturday night's game. They marched him back out there Sunday. And that's it. And that's when the electricity took over. The Dodgers, pretty much all hope is 
gone. Two outs. You get a single from CT. You get a single from Lux. Here comes Trace Thompson. Game on the line. Kenley Jansen, you know, he's closed so many games for LA. We've seen it. It's like back on the wall. And Trace Thompson, you know, again, his second week back in MLB action, just gets the hit. I mean, literally less than a quarter inch over Matt Olson's outstretched arm and glove. Drops in the base hit. It scores two, ties it up. And then from there, it was just electricity. Um, again, Braves didn't do anything in the ninth. You have the 10th, Dodgers score one, Braves score one, goes to the 11th. Freddie drives it in. Matt Olson drives it in as replacement. Fre- Freddie, you had the first base action with Freddie, Matt Olson. Uh, and I thought for a second, I'm like, wow, Freddie's going to do a pretty cool moment. Defense going to hold. Come back around, Dodgers get it done again. Uh, CT having a day. Uh, drove in the first RBI. I can't even remember who, who hit the insurance one in. Um, great game there. Uh, Dodgers get it done. They hold the lead. Uh, got a bit dicey, but super, super fun game. The only problem is it really started being a game in the ninth inning. Um, before that, it was pretty slow. Yeah, I mean, p- the pitchers were pretty much in control. I thought Spencer Strider um, and uh, Tony Gonsolin had pretty good outings. I mean, it wasn't electric by any means and Strider was definitely a bit better than Gonsolin I mean Strider went six innings pitched seven K's no walks only five hits allowed Braves ended up pitching eight different guys and Dodgers pitched seven different guys they really went into it I mean why not you're playing I mean I would say at this point maybe even a rival you played in the past two NLCSs against each other and very electric series Um, and obviously the whole Freddie dynamic Really in the, really entertaining game. I, I think you were right when you said uh, it kind of picked up towards the end. It did feel kind of boring for a little bit. It was 0-0 for a while, 1-0, 2-0. It looked like Kenley was just going to close it out, and then all the fireworks exploded. Um, I want to ask you this. I started watching the K-Rod cast because it was back. I honestly switched pretty quickly to the regular broadcast, which I honestly don't really like that much. But they were just having, like, technical difficulties with, like, the guests, and they couldn't hear them, and it was just kind of, like, really cringy. So I, I had to turn it off so I could actually watch the game. What did you tune into? Well, so similar type thing. I started with the OG broadcast uh, pretty early on. I switched to K-Rod, wasn't feeling it, went back. The, the whole broadcast, and we'll talk about this later, the production, the broadcast, drove me nuts. I was on the regular broadcast, had the thing muted. I wasn't even listening. I'm like, I cannot. It, it just all they could talk about was Freddie Freeman. It's like Gavin Lux oh is up to bat, runner on, and they're like, well, Freddie Freeman's in the corner of the dugout eating bubble gum. It's like, I don't care. Like, I do not care. So had to finish the game out and mute. I will say of all the – I love Kenley Jansen, one of my favorite players to ever pick up a baseball. Incredible stuff he did for the Dodgers. But all the times I've watched him blow a save for L.A., it was nice that he returned the favor a little bit. Uh, pack that one in and, and super fun game down the end there. Yeah, I mean, James, let's just transition here. This is a story that we're going to talk about later. Let's talk Wait, about the Freddie. Before, before we get into that, just real quick, I do want to have our player of the week discussion. Obviously, we put it out there on social media. Oh, right. We player ended up, yeah, player of the game for Sunday Night Baseball, around the third player of the game. You know, I think the players in consideration, um, Strider, obviously, it was going to be Strider the entire game till the ninth for me. Um, 
Obviously, Trace Thompson for keeping it alive. Two outs, two strikes. 0-2 count gets the base knock, scores two. Huge play there. Chris Taylor had a day, though. Comes off the bench, goes three for three, scores two runs, including also hitting an RBI. Uh, That was the go-ahead run in the 11th. Ultimately, Max, we decided Chris Taylor. I think Monster Statlin liked that off the bench. Two runs scored in a five-run game with the go-ahead RBI. Think he deserves it. Shout out CT3, getting it done. Yeah, and the guy we're about to talk about, Freddie, he also, you know, was in the conversation. Two for five, had a huge RBI. Um, so I think he was in it. But, yeah, I mean, Chris Taylor, is, his stat line speaks for itself. Three for three, two runs scored, big-time RBI. Um, but I'm going to throw this to you because I, I know you have a lot to say about it. I, I have a de- decent about to say about it as well, but – Talk about Freddie Freeman and this return and all the emotion involved. Yes. So obviously, first of all, kick this off with, you know, Freddie Freeman's an emotional guy. I mean, it just always has been always one to cry on the pass, give a hug. I I already don't like he's too friendly on the base pass. People slapping their ass after base hits and stuff drives me nuts. But, you know, he's coming back to Atlanta, 12 years there. MVP, World Series. I mean, he's done it all. They're all what six-time All-Star there, two-time Silver Star. Just beast numbers, statue-level stuff. Mr. Atlanta Brave for the last decade and change. You knew it was going to be a special day. But, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, the dude just – he's coming out. He can't control himself in the slightest. I mean, it's waterworks, it's tears. And I hope you didn't hear the speech, Max. Because that was painful to suffer. You know, he accepts the World Series ring from Schnitker. Basically threw his Dodgers hat on the ground, which is like, get this the hell out of here. I I mean, was like crying. And he's for five minutes, he can't even form words. Y'all, just all he can say is, thank you, Atlanta. I love Atlanta. My family loves it. This is home. I love you all. Which you expect some of that. Some of that is, yeah, you had 12 years. Look, do the wave, little tears, little emotion, tip the cap. Nice speech. You know, love you fans. Love you. I get it. It was just too much. It was way too much. There, there was tears the whole time. Now, after the speech and all that, he comes up to bat. He's crying in the batter's box. He's crying in the dugout. He's crying in post game. He's crying all over the field, our Freddie tears. It's like, dude, get a grip a little bit. Uh, before I even get further into the story, I just, what's your reaction to all this as someone who's not even plugged into this situation? <laughs> no, honestly, like, I, I felt like it was a hot take, and I didn't know if I wanted to bring it up, but, like, it drives me crazy. Like, sure, there's got to be emotion, right? He's returning to Atlanta. He was there since he's 20 years old. He, you know, helped build that franchise. I wouldn't say helped build it up, but as of late, I mean, he won an MVP, won a World Series there. But, like, I don't know, man. Does he really need to cry for, like, the whole weekend? And it's like the announcers, too, are just playing into it. Like, every single time something happens, they're like, Freddie Freeman back in Atlanta, like think of all the emotions he's going through. I can't even imagine what's going on in his head. Like, like really, he just switched teams. He he'll be back in Atlanta for, you know, when he retires or something like that. Like, it's just, it's way too much in the post game. It was like, when I saw the post game, I was kind of like, didn't we just do this? Like, didn't he already, cry for like 10 minutes on the field talking to Brian Snicker and now he's in the post game and can't keep it together. Like it just seems too much. Like he just left the team. That's it. Which again, like you signed a massive deal to do it. You're getting rewarded. You joined arguably a better team. I mean, 
And I get it. Like the on field with the ring first time. Sure. Even that was a little too much for me. It's like, if you did about 60% of that, I think that's the level. Again, you can't tell someone how to react, but the production team didn't help. Literally other players are at bat. Bellinger's at bat. And I'm watching Freddie Freeman eat peanuts in the dugout. It's like, dude, walk in and he's crying, doing it. Clayton Kershaw, again, veteran, very nice guy. I mean, in my opinion, like, Invaluable. He's got it locked in. He even said, you know, in a post-game presser, which is funny because he wasn't playing. They just interviewed him because it's Kershaw. And he's like, yeah, you know, very emotional day for Freddie Freeman. It, you know, I I get it. It's sad. But he, he kind of had a little shot in there. And he goes, a lot of crying, a lot of emotion. I get it. I just hope we're not second fiddle. Uh, which, you know, when he's saying that, to the media, he knows what he's doing. That's a targeted veteran statement. And, and it did lead to some discussions on Dodger Twitter. Does does there have to be a clubhouse meeting? I mean, does Freddie at some point have to look at his teammates and reassure them, I do actually want to be here? Because following the weekend, I'm not sure. It seems like he's upset the way the Braves handled it. If you gave him a, a mulligan, he probably stays a Brave, resigns. It's just, it was so, when you have Clayton Kershaw calling you out to reel it in, like, come on, get a grip a little bit. To me, it always seems a little bit fake. Like, even his on-the-field antics like that you mentioned when he's hugging Ronald Acuna when he comes to first or he's always talking people up. Maybe this is way too, like, cynical, but it always feels like he's putting on an act. Like, he's got to be this nice guy. He's, he's always the one that's talking to the batter. I don't know. The emotions were a lot. Like, it seemed like he was playing this up, like, way too much. I mean, it's just like, he, you're a professional. Do the wave, tip the cap, thank the fans, get the hell on with your day. You shouldn't be crying 16 hours after you've arrived in Atlanta. You know, and, and again, you can't tell him out of grief, but it's like, even as a Dodgers fan, it's like, man, you do have to seriously wonder, like, was this just a case of, because, you know, we talked about this. They traded for Matt Olson, didn't tell Freddie Freeman anything. They were just, he found out like we did, push notification on Twitter. Oh, they have a replacement, I'm out. Seems like he's on the outside looking in, wishing he was an Atlanta Brave. You know, I'm sure he's happy with LA. He'll have success, but it it was a lot. It was a lot. And I'm happy Kershaw said something. And, like, he can totally cry, and I totally expected him to cry. But I didn't expect him to, like, drain all of his tears that he can produce. Like, it was – it just went on and on and on. And I, I feel what bad, is- like, hating on him for being so emotional, but it just seemed ridiculous. Like, I mean, it, it, dude, it's Sunday and he can't even, he like doesn't have words. It's it's like, it's Sunday, mate. Like you play, you've now played two full games. Like just go <laughs> back, just go back, get the towel off your eyes. Just go back, go play baseball. It's what you do every day, play baseball. And I bet Kershaw uh, represented a lot of Dodgers when he said that. I mean, if I played on the Dodgers, I get it. It's basically Freddie day on Friday when he goes back. It's all about Freddie Freeman, but He's got to rein it in a little bit, right? But well, and that's again the whole Dodgers dugout, third base on. They're all clapping when he's getting the ring. They understand the moment. They're, they're professional ball players. But I do. Th- I think Kershaw said that because he is the veteran leader in that clubhouse. And I think he's like, dude, like, yeah, this is your old team, but like, we're trying to win a championship right now, and you are a key block. Like, do you even want this? Because if not, we'll move Max Muncy back to first. Because God knows he can't play second. Yeah, it's like it's like breaking up with your girlfriend and getting with a new one and then still crying over them when you see them, right? Like, it's it's the exact same thing. It's like, are you committed to me or are you still thinking about her? 
Right. But and it's not even the first time. It's like the third Instagram post since you broke up, you're still crying. That's the, that's <laughs> the problem. It's, you know, but I digress. You know, it's a nice day for Freddie. Again, Dodgers won the series. I'll take it. At least Freddie wasn't like folding at bats. He was trying to hit the ball, hit some big RBIs on Sunday, or a big RBI on Sunday. Uh, so we'll see, but it's good to get that team out of Atlanta. Like, just for his mental health, just get, walk him off the ledge. Get him back to Denver. Let's go. Get him in Denver. Let's turn to this fight. I think this was another huge storyline, really. Uh, big matchup in the AL West, Mariners at the Angels. They've been playing a lot recently. Um but this was one of the most intense brawls that we've seen in a while. Like, I remember the Reds-Cardinals one that went on forever and fights fights all over the place. This one went on for a long time, and it was broken up a few times, too. Basically, the, the tensions were high for a while. It started the night before when um, a ball basically, I won't say he was thrown in. I don't know what the intent is, but a ball was thrown high at Mike Trout. Just missed him. Mike Trout was very upset about it. The umpires gave warnings to both sides. Um, and then in this game, Julio Rodriguez got thrown at, but it went like over his head. Go ahead. I just want to say it's not even like he got thrown at. They threw a fastball directly at his head. I mean, it missed his head by three inches. And this was not like oh, a little back or ass shot. This was intent to kill. Yeah, I mean, it was a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. And then and then just after that, Jesse Winker gets planked. Um, and, I mean, that's just kind of when it starts, right? Jesse Winker's clearly upset about it. He's yelling at the Angels, dug out. And, uh, I mean, all hell breaks loose. Everybody's jumping out. The tension was there. Everybody knew it was going to explode. And when Jesse Winker gets hit, I mean, they go at each other, fists flying for, like, five minutes straight. I mean, there's punches, choke slams. I mean, really, this is, in the last decade, one of the best brawls we've got. You know, so many brawls, everyone comes out, looks at each other, a tiny shove in the center. No, like, this was like a WWE slam. And the Mariners practically jumped the Angels at their dugout. I mean, the Angels had no option to fight because they were, like, on their dugout steps getting waxed. Uh, Again, Winker leading the charge just walked up to the entire team by himself and was like, we're fighting. Um Got some interest in some, I will say, crazy gamesmanship by the Angels manager, their interim manager, used an opener, literally an opening pitcher, an opener to plunk, well, what was supposed to be Julio Rodriguez turned into Winker, but that was hilarious. I mean, the gamesmanship to pull out an opener to plunk someone, it's like, that's insane. That's He should be tossed for that, but that's crazy. It had to be intentional, too. I mean, they went for Julio in the first, the, the Jesse Winker hit by pitch was first pitch of the second inning. Just, just, I mean, it was right at him. The, the pitcher said it wasn't retaliation. He said, he said something like, "It was my first ever start in a day game, and I was sweaty in it." Some, something stupid like that. But I mean, tensions were clearly high. The, the fighting was crazy. I mean, J.P. Crawford was like flying in the air, throwing full punches. Anthony Rendon, who has his right hand broken and out for the year, slapped—I forget who he slapped—but slapped somebody hard with his with his left hand which was pretty ridiculous oh left hand a winker's face as i'm reading now during the scuffle um because his right hand was in a cast uh so many suspensions came out of this both managers got suspended 
Uh, Jesse Winker, Julio Rodriguez, and J.P. Crawford all got suspended for the Mariners. Three of their first four hitters in an already struggling offensive lineup. Uh, Angels lost the pitcher, Andrew Wants, I think. Uh, Ryan Tapera, another pitcher, also got tossed. And Rasiel Iglesias, who, who chucked basically a whole box of sunflower seeds onto the middle of the field, kind of after, after all the, the fighting fight. was done. He just took the whole box and launched it way into the infield. It's pretty, it's pretty funny, but they tossed him as well. What's funny is two of those suspensions are bullpen guys. So that's the bullpen getting active. I love to, <laughs> love to see it. The sunflower toss, unmatchable. Uh, Scott Sarais is always in this. So he's always getting, Mariner's always getting plunked. He's always yelling at people, causing these little stirrups. Pretty insane fight we got. Uh, and I believe these teams don't meet for – they meet fairly soon but still a bit removed. It's going to be fun. Uh, fun when they – because forever they're going to have fireworks. Also crazy storyline, if you remember the fan in Cincinnati, young girl, last season went to go see Joey Votto. When he got ejected, he Votto gave her the bat, all that. Same Reds fan goes to Anaheim to go watch Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker, and Jesse Winker gets ejected in the game. I mean, you can't make this up for this poor girl. Wearing the exact same shirt in the picture, awesome little baseball shirt. Uh, Mariners fan got Jesse Winker a pizza sent to the stadium. That blew up. Bunch of tips for the delivery driver. I mean, just all around crazy. Winker, on his way out of the game, gave the double birds to the fans. He later apologized, not for his actions, not for the fight, specifically for giving the fans the bird, which I thought was nice. Uh, But I think Seattle's got some new fan favorites. I mean, I think Jesse Winker just – he can hit as bad as he wants the rest of the year, and he's like cemented Mariner's stud just for the fight. Yeah, the, the game was delayed for 18 minutes because of this. And, yeah, it's like Scott Gervais, the Seattle Mariners manager. I mean, he – I swear every Mariners game I watch, he's just like yelling from the dugout after every pitch. It's so funny. Um, but, yeah, I mean – also, like you said, they might not play for a little bit. This team has played, like, I think nine games out of the last 14 against each other or something like that. They had a long series, a break, and then now they played another long series. I mean, they play each other all the time, huge AL West rivals. And I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what happens next time these teams meet. Maybe nothing, but this was definitely a 10 out of 10 fight, I would say. Yeah, I don't think the encore from a fight this good can be nothing. Though. I mean, it really was best brawl I've seen. And, and I, I, for some reason in my head, I have it that it's August 5th uh, that the Knicks meet. That, that may be incorrect. I don't know. I know it's the 5th, uh, and I don't think it's July. So uh, maybe quick fact check on that. Uh, but insane brawl, uh, sunflower seed toss, definitely the best part of it. And the brawl like, never stopped. It would stop and die down, and then on the other side of the pile, someone would get slammed. And I uh, it's just a crazy, insane fight. Definitely. Yeah, they play it. August 5th, and then they play again on August 15th. Um, but, so, yeah, I mean, thinking back to some other big fights, I mean, you know, I mentioned the Reds-Cardinals one. Brandon Phillips basically called the Cardinals punks, and Yachty got in his face first at bat. There was the Amir Garrett versus the Pirates one a couple years ago, and he, he like, ran straight at the Pirates dugout. Uh, I mean, there are some great fights. The, there was the, the Mets-Cardinals, I would say, non-scuffle earlier this year. It was nothing compared to this. No, and, and uh, 
Puig on the Reds versus the Pirates after yeah. he was traded to the Indians <laughs> at the time. One of the all-time greatest fights because that was a his whole team bailed on him. That was like a one-on-20, and he was not on either roster at the time, which was insane. Can you imagine me and the Indians there? You're like, dude, we just traded for that guy, and he's getting punched in the face. Like, so. But still, this may be the best of all of those. Um, pretty exciting stuff. You know, some not so exciting stuff. We talked about it. Just a quick update. Bryce Harper playing San Diego. Blake Snell, guy who he's played against since they were 10, 11 years old. Inside fastball, it's part of Snell's game. He takes 97 straight to the thumb. Immediately sounds terrible. Immediately he's down on the ground yelling, wincing. Confirmed broken thumb. Likely done for the season. Uh, just just terrible news. I mean, baseball's better with Bryce Harper there. He's had the injuries. He had the UCL. He was, you know, recovering from the elbow this year and injuries throughout his career. And the Phillies really pretty screwed without him. Just sad all around the board. And, you know, Blake Snell, obviously no ill intentions there. Just fastball got away from him. Yeah. I mean, it's it's ugly. The The – Pitch looks ugly in real time. I mean, it's super fast, and Bryce's helmet flies off. You can you can see. I mean, he's clearly in so much pain, right? Is it? I mean, think about taking a ninety-seven mile an hour fastball straight at the thumb. Like, are you kidding me? Um, he, he. I mean, he acknowledged that Blake Snell clearly didn't do it on purpose. Blake Snell kind of apologized. Uh, Bryce Harper was heated, though. He kind of like yelled back, "I know, I know, I know. Like, you didn't do it on purpose." Um, it's tough. They put Bryce Harper on the 10 day IL, but I think it's more of just like a temporary holding spot. He's going to be done for a while. Uh, the Phillies president of baseball operations, like in an interview talked about how, uh, the Braves won last year with Ronald Acuna as like kind of motivation for this team to say they still have a chance, very different situation, but, um, yeah, it's brutal. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. That is just so, so stupid. I mean, look at the rest of the Braves roster. Without Acuna, they still were one of the best lineups in baseball. Sorry, Nick Castellanos, you know, he, he's fun at times, but, like, he's no Freddie Freeman. Like, he's not going to lock you down. You also don't have one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. Ridiculous statement. And, so, I mean, I know he has, like, he can't just be like, yeah, we're going to blow. But, I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> And Bryce is such a badass, too. He said after the game, I kind of wish it would have hit my face. And because I could take a pitch to the face, but I can't take one to the thumb. Um, who knows what will happen? I mean, it says the recovery time for fractured thumbs, excuse me, seems to be four to six weeks. Um, but we, we won't know the severity of it until next week. I mean, it, I, I'd be surprised if he comes back anytime soon. I mean, he might come back towards the end of the season, but. Really ugly for the Phillies. Well, and I, I really only think he comes back if they're in a playoff position. If not, I, with the elbow, with the thumb, I just shut him down. If you're if you're out of it and you're the Phillies, shut him down. We'll see he's already dealing year. with that arm issue, right? right. He, he could only play DH because he couldn't throw from right. So he was already dealing with one lingering problem. And, you know, getting through these, you know, best of Bryce Harper again. A lot of people hate him. A lot of people don't, but I think everyone agrees. Better for baseball. Always been a phenom since he was a kid. Uh, another guy, maybe not a phenom since he was a kid, but certainly a phenom now. That's Aaron Judge, the hottest, hottest hitter on the planet. No exception. Again, like, I just wonder, when is this going to turn? 
like I'm waiting for Aaron Judge to like come back down to earth, and it never happens. Again, two walk-offs this weekend. Monster three-run bomb. Such a sick walk-off for the second one. Uh, and then you had the first walk-off, which was just a base hit. But again, I mean, you're getting at-bats when it matters. You're getting hits when it matters. Just yeah, it was on a 3-0 count. 3-0 count. He knew he was going to get something down the middle and just cranked it to left. But, yeah, I mean, he's the hottest player in baseball for sure. I mean, he's got to win AL MVP up to this point for sure. I mean, to put it in perspective, some of the biggest sluggers in baseball, you think Mike Trout, Jordan Alvarez, Pete Alonso, they all have 22 home runs, tied for second. Aaron Judge has 28 home runs, six more than anybody else. And, I mean, he's on pace for over 60, I think, maybe 60 on the dot, which is kind of the number we're tracking. Uh, he's, I mean, he's must-watch TV, his bats are. He's hit more home runs than anybody else, so if you like home runs, you got to tune into in his at-bats. Yeah, and, you know, Dusty Baker even said after this weekend in the post-game presser, he said it was Houston Astros two games, Aaron Judge two games. Not necessarily fair. You got to look at Aaron Hicks and like some of those other pieces, how they set up. But ultimately, yeah, he walked it off. I mean, again, he is the best team in baseball right now. He's the best player on it, very much leading them to wins. I mean, this is about as locked up of an MVP case as you're going to get. This reminds me of Shohei last year. Um, But there's still guys there who could make a push if there's a regression. I just don't know when it comes. He's been this good since opening day. And has showed no signs of slowing down. It, it looks like, and I saw this tweet, wish I could give credit, hilarious tweet. It said, Aaron Judge is the best baseball player at gambling on themselves since Pete Rose, uh, which was just <laughs> top-tier content. Obviously referring to the fact that he pushed off his contract extension talk to get this year. In. And uh, that single decision may have made him an extra $100, 150000000 He's going to get paid. Yeah, he's minus 110 to win an uh, American League MVP right now, which is ridiculous. Like, if you bet, what did you bet, 11, you're winning 10. Um, pretty insane. Shohei's behind him. It goes Shohei, Trout, Jose, Jordan, Devers, Vlad. Um, but, I mean, he's got such a clear hold on this. And, I mean, look, like you said, he's the best player on the best team in baseball. He's almost got 30 home runs before anybody else is 25. Um just been totally dominant two walk-offs in his last four games we'll see how he handles the a's pitching and the guardians pitching in these next two series i I don't think that's going to be a particular struggle for him uh if i'm a betting man uh one last little thing before we get out of here max we are a baseball podcast. We primarily cover Major League Baseball. In fact, 99.9% of our content is Major League Baseball. But I find it pressing and important to announce in Omaha, tradition every year, Omaha, Nebraska, home of the College World Series. We've just crowned a champion. It's just concluded. And again, I think college baseball was helped out so much by the MLB lockout because they started the season when you know baseball should have and it was locked out. Uh, give you a position, a lot of people watching, a lot of fun storylines. It seems like more people interested in college baseball than ever before. Uh, and you had a Tennessee team that looked great, got upset. Uh, different SEC team takes it home, and that is Ole Miss gets the College World Series, wins it uh, in a two-game sweep. Again, they play a three-game series in the championship. Two-game sweep there. They were playing uh, Oklahoma, I believe, and uh, 
It's crazy. They were a last four team in, last four team into the bracket, ride it all the way down, get a new championship. You know, Mincy from Barstool is, I mean, his whole thing, he's Ole Miss baseball fan. I think it's their first one ever. So uh, what a time for him. What a time for those kids. Uh, for the love of the game. Got to love it. Love the little league. Got to love college. And again, this October, we'll get the real World Series. Yeah, I, w- I wish I had more to comment on it. I just didn't really follow the College World Series at all. And I know a lot of people might think that's ridiculous. Because um, I always see people on Twitter who love them. will be still follow it. I don't know. I, I did catch some games and it looked super electric. Every game was super high scoring. Um, but yeah, I mean, good for Ole Miss. I will say one of the benefits for Ole Miss, Ole Miss has the coolest home field advantage in baseball. Their baseball fans are savages. They're throwing beers everywhere and screaming. Unreal environment. Uh, yeah, if there's any Ole Miss fans listening, pick me up. I will be there this fall for a football game. You know, see some things. Baseball champs. A lot of fun news, though, Max. Some sad news, some crazy news, some awesome things. What a weekend of baseball we've got. We're not even halfway through the season, and this season has been incredible. Just such a treat. Can't wait to keep it going. And uh, everyone tune back in uh, on Thursday where we come on and catch up what's happening right now.